in my head, in my world, managers don't manage people. A manager is someone who manages a system of work that has people in it. Welcome to the Super Managers Podcast, where we interview leaders from all walks of life to tease out the habits, thought patterns, learnings, and experiences that help them be extraordinary at the fine craft of management. Our goal is to bring you the lessons and the insights so that you don't have to learn through your own mistakes, but so that you can shortcut your way to being a great leader. This podcast is brought to you by Fellow, a software platform that helps managers and their teams collaborate on meeting agendas, track action items, and turn chaotic meetings into productive work sessions. Check it out at www.fellow.app. Hey, fellow managers and leaders, I'm Aiden, and I'm the CEO of fellow.app. Today's guest is Daniel Terhorst-North, a technology and organizational change specialist who focuses on leveraging systems thinking to solve management and team challenges. In today's episode, Daniel explains why, contrary to popular belief, managers don't manage people, but instead are the individuals in charge of designing environments and systems of work where employees can be more productive. We also talked about why stand-up meetings are not meant for status updates and the one question that needs to be asked on a daily basis. Lastly, Daniel explains the consequences of delayed feedback and offers a feedback model to help your team understand intent. If you find this episode helpful to your leadership journey, leave us a review on the podcast app of your choice and tag us with the hashtag supermanagers on social media. Now, without further ado, here is Daniel Terhorst North on episode 62 of the Supermanagers podcast. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Daniel, I'm very excited uh, you know, to, to chat with you. We, we started talking and it was so fun that we almost did the whole podcast without pressing record. So I'm gr- glad that we now <laughs> press record. So one of the things I wanted to kick things off with uh, right off the bat is uh, who has been a most favorite or memorable boss uh, in your career? So, so this is interesting. I, I, I'm afraid I'm not going to give you one because I've been super lucky and super spoiled and I've had some amazing bosses. And it'd be unfair to name one of them um, at the expense of some others. Um, I think the why is a much more interesting question. So I, one of my very first bosses, um, she was probably only in her mid-20s. I was like fresh out of college. I was probably 22. So we were a very young team. And she was, I think, in her first software management role. And it was a small business, uh, probably 30, 50 employees. And it was a data marketing firm in the early 90s when that was a, when that was a thing. I basically, I destroyed the database, right? So, so one day, by, through, just through being a complete idiot, you know, a, a, an entirely user rookie error, I accidentally shut down the live production database in the middle of a data run in the middle of the working day by accidentally shutting down the wrong um, Sun workstation. And, and it was, I, I, I remember it in real time, you know, like that, um, uh, extended time thing, that protracted time thing. Distended, sorry, that's the word, distended time. So I'm sitting there and I was, I typed in shutdown minus H now on a server and um, and there was a clock ticking on the screen and, and the clock should have stopped, right? Because the server, and I just went, 
oh no, I haven't shut down this server. Therefore, I have shut down another server. And as I'm processing this, the door bursts open and this lady runs in who's the database administrator going, someone's just shut down the database. And I hit me. <laughs> and I just, honestly, I thought I was going to get fired, right? That's it. That's like, you know, that's your sackable offense. And Jan, my boss, turned around to me and she said, it didn't even skip a beat. She said, today's the day we learned about database restore. <laughs> and it was just this absolute object lesson in blameless response right you messed up there's no point beating you up you know you messed up i know you messed up let's fix the database and we sat there reloading data off of tapes because it was in an era where you still had like exabyte tapes and we reloaded data until about 11 o'clock that night <laughs> she stayed and and the last tape went in and we finished and she said great we're restored see you tomorrow wow okay that was it. There was no, in my, you know, review, she didn't go, you know, that thing you did a couple of months ago where you just basically shut us down. Nothing. That's incredible. And that, that as a, just as a, as an attitude that really stayed with me. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, she, uh, must've had a lot of patience, uh, in general and, and be able to, to do something like that. And, here you are many, many years later still recalling that story. So I've heard many leaders um, who've had, ex or many other people on, on the podcast that have had similar experiences. And, and it says a lot, right? I mean, like you said, there's no point beating you up. And it shows that like mistakes are actually okay. Um, which, you know, if mistakes weren't okay, then people would just try less things. Well, try less things or, or the other thing is that when something goes wrong, lie, right? <laughs> Cover right. it up, you know? deny <laughs> yeah all of that and it creates those, those those toxic behaviors and if you're in a culture where it's you know we and 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 of course immediately off the back of that i wrote a bunch of scripts and i made a bunch of configs so that if you were logged into a production server the screen was bright red right <laughs> you know you couldn't like the shutdown command said you are on a production server are you sure you know stuff like that so i i put those stops in myself because i didn't want to be that idiot again so all of the stuff that you would normally have, all of the kind of follow-up you would normally have still happened. But, you know, she didn't need to throw away around or yell at me in order to make it happen. Yeah. No, it's super interesting how that, like, one way that you react in that one critical moment affects the culture of the company going forward. Well, so, in fact, so I, I can riff on this all day. So um, I did a talk a few years ago because um, it's a good friend of mine, Trisha G, who's about someone else you should speak to. Um, she's a brilliant, brilliant programmer and now developer relations for JetBrains. And she she's very structured in her career. You know, I'm, I'm in this role in two years time. I want to be in this role. So I need to learn X, Y, Z, figure this thing out. And I'm like, oh, that looks fun. <laughs> oh, this looks like a nice, Aiden looks like a nice guy. I'm going to go work with him. And so, and so I've just kind of drifted through my career and she's been very structured. But what I discovered or what I discovered, what I, what I realized is although I've had a very accidental career, I've had very deliberate advice from people. There are very specific interventions with people in my 30 years that I can say that was pivotal to me. And also that he or she in the moment when we had that conversation, they had no idea that was a thing. They had no, Jan had no idea that 30 years from now, I'd be talking about her in a, in a podcast, right? She was just being Jan, yeah? And I think you know, with great um, leaders, 
it's it's that whole they're, they're just being themselves and themselves happens to be someone who is fantastic in that role it's it's very interesting sometimes you only look back on things you know like you said that you look back 30 years ago and you're like wow that event uh or that thing that that person said and it all of a sudden becomes super relevant to what you're working on now so what i guess one of the the things that i you know can't help but ask you is you also coach a lot of other people and a lot of leaders like a lot of the work you do obviously is in uh, agile coaching and training on agile but amongst the the mistakes and you know things that you see very often that it's it's almost become trite like what are the things that that you see um very often in mistakes that leaders make so this is okay so before i get to i want to unpack a couple of terms um or at least explain how i see a couple of terms so management a manager um, in, in my head, in my world, managers don't manage people. So management is not a, like a supervisory, um, uh, superior, you know, um, type, uh, role Man- in, in, in a lean context or an agile context. So when you talk about management, you're managing the environment, you're managing the context and you're creating an environment in which people can do their best work. You can't make people do things. You can create an environment in which if they choose to, they can do things. Um, leadership is a very different thing. They're related, but they're, they're, there's, a, there's a very clear distinction. Leadership is about setting direction and is about that alignment piece, okay? So it's the getting, inspiring people with the with the, uh, the the wish to be you know in the sea and with the wind in their hair and all of that rather than instructing them how to build a ship. In that context, I think the the most common failure modes I encounter, certainly the things I try and coach against, as it were, is is exactly the opposite of those two things. So someone who believes their job is to be a combination of a policeman and your dad. <laughs> you know, in the workplace, right? They're a parent and they're a policeman. So they're like, you know, you are going to do this. I'm going to give you instruction now. And I'm also going to check up on you and make sure you did your homework, you know, make sure you tidied your room. And and shifting that mindset from uh, directing people to creating an environment in which. So, and and again, most people direct people because that's how they were taught. That's what they think management is. And that's what they think being a manager is. And especially this idea of a line manager, where we, we have this term line manager, and no one really thinks about where the term comes from. And it comes from a production line. It comes from a, a line of people on, in a factory doing the same thing again and again and again and again. And even then, actually, as a line manager, your job is to manage the line, the production line, not the people on it. <laughs> so we still get it wrong, even though we use the term line manager. So in terms of leadership, I think you know, people, people will follow you on a compelling journey right? They'll, they'll want to. So, so the goal of leadership is to create that compulsion, to, to, to articulate that compelling journey and to reiterate it and to get everyone excited. And the classic kind of what's in it for me, you know? So what's in it for Aiden as a founder or what's in it for Aiden as a developer or what's in it for Aiden as a product manager? And to give you that sense of your own self-actualization, your own purpose, um, the bigger picture, like the, we're all on this journey together, and I see a lot of leaders, senior folks, when I speak to them one-on-one, they can absolutely articulate what they want. You know, you know, right? You know what you want fellow to be, right? You know what you want the fellow up to be. Unless it is in your just 
ritual daily habits to keep articulating that again and again and again and again. Decay curve of everyone around you remembering that is much, much steeper than you think. Hmm. <laughs> you need to go on and on and on about it to remind people why this is fun and to remind people why this is exciting. And I think one of the leadership fa fails I see more than anything is they forget to articulate how just awesome this mission is and how exciting it is and how much fun it's going to be. And they just expect people to do stuff without having that um, that sense of purpose. Yeah, that that's super interesting. I guess, yeah, you, you sometimes think that maybe you sound like a broken record or that they, they would know. They don't want me to say that again. Uh, but... I mean, is there ever like, so people typically don't make the mistake of just doing it too much, right? It's kind of hard to. It's, I think, um, or put it like this, if, if you're getting the feedback that people really, really deeply understand the mission and you're okay, thanks, that's, that's a great problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know many folks with that problem. Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, it's interesting because one of the key roles of a leader is also to do this storytelling. And I think, you know, coming as a, say, founder of a company, uh, this makes a lot of sense to me. But this isn't like uh, a founder and CEO thing only, right? Like this applies to everybody. Well, and this, I'm really glad you said that. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of the, um, the David Marquette um, Turn the Ship Around Hmm. mindset where he talks about uh, leader leader rather than leader follower so in other words and at every level of the organization anyone in any role is a leader right and then and then he talks about intent-based leadership so rather than asking permission or waiting to be told and they're the two most common default modes in most certainly western hierarchical organizations um is you say i intend to i intend to do x i intend to uh, push this build into this production environment. I intend to make this change. I intend to go and interview these customers. And, and you know, everyone starts off doing it in their out loud voice. Eventually it becomes much more an internalized thing. But as, to start with, as you're practicing it, you say it out loud. Hey folks, I intend to do this. And your stand-up should really be what you intend to do today, right? What's our intent for today? And we can talk a lot about stand-ups as well. It's one of my hot topics. Um, but so, so and, and then as a manager, because then we've got the leadership and management inter, intertwingling, as a manager, you're then managing by exception. Because all you're listening for is when someone says, I intend to do something that just sounds odd. I intend to shut down the server, the database server. <laughs> I intend to shut everything down. And you can imagine, this is how like at Netflix, how um, uh, Chaos Monkey started, right? right? I intend to just write some code that's going to shut down servers arbitrarily. Wait, stop. You're going to what now? <laughs> and, and that conversation happened. And that conversation was, we know that we don't run our own servers anymore. We're moving to Amazon Cloud. We know that occasionally things are just going to go missing. If we architect for things to go missing and that's okay, we've already won. Hmm. Right? We've built resilience. If we don't, then when something happens, we're going to get some unpleasant surprises. So I'd rather we cause the surprises <laughs> than, than they happen to us. And when you explain it like that, I'm going to go and shut down some servers suddenly now makes a lot of sense. But having that conversation means you're now articulating things like chaos engineering, things like resilience, things like site reliability. Um, and maybe those conversations haven't been had before. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. And, and, and I like the phrase that you use, which is like almost uh, management, like exception based management. And uh, you mentioned standups. 
Um, obviously, you know a, a thing or two about agile, and standups are are very interesting because you know as the pandemic happened and people started working, uh, you know, from home and remotely. One of the things that has been I guess talked about a lot is this daily stand-up meeting, and I feel like it has been attacked a little bit. Um, you know, in, in the sense of uh, especially like Zoom fatigue and everything that that comes comes along with it. I, I'm I'm just curious, like maybe tell us more about like what the stand-up meeting is and how it should actually be run. I tend to, so I've got a whole bunch of patterns of uh, what I think of as effective software delivery and, and, and delivering things faster and better um, that I've been failing to write a book about for about eight years now. <laughs> and one of them is exactly this, um, and, and I call it Carpe Diem, right? So Carpe Diem is about, is about your daily stand-up. So most people think of a stand-up as a... Yeah, it's a meeting that you have typically early in the day and you're all checking in with each other and saying what you did. And there's a, 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 a formula that seems to have become prevalent of uh, yesterday I, I did this and today I'm doing this and, and whether anything's blocking me. And that to me is the anathema, is the opposite of what a stand-up is. Oh, interesting. So let's take this back to first principles. I'm going to take you back to the early 90s. There were, we would, and I, I don't know how old you are. <laughs> I was programming in the early 90s. A regular software project might do a release every 18 months, two years. That was cutting edge, right? And so you, and every month, maybe you might have a monthly steering. So you might have 18 of these monthly steering things over an 18 month project. And then a number of folks variously around the world. Um, one lady I, I, I'm a huge fan of in Belgium called Martine Devos. Um, she's working in the public sector there. And she said, like, I'm fed up. I'm fed up with these 18-month releases. I'm fed up with working like this. Life's, there's got to be more to life. Team, we are going to ship something in 12 weeks, even if it kills us, right? Or actually, even if I have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she's a wonderfully scary lady, Martin. So and she said to the team, we're not going to fly blind for, six, for 12 weeks. We're going to sprint for six weeks, pause, course correct, sprint for another six weeks, and then ship. So project this forward to now, that's like delivering once per season. It's not exactly what, but for then it was like completely revolutionary. You're going to do in 12 weeks what we normally do in 18 months. So clearly we can't have monthly steering. That's not going to work. Yeah. So, and even if we have weekly steering for one of these six week sprints, that's like six check-ins. That's not going to work. So what if we did a daily steering? If we steer every single day, that's like 30 goes in a six week sprint. That's more like it. So really, the stand-up is, is a steering meeting. Yeah, it's, a, it's effectively micro-planning. It's not a status meeting. Those are very different things. So the, the energy I try to bring to a stand-up, or the energy that I like, that for me, that are a healthy stand-up, is the team gets together and there's one question. What's the best possible today that we can have? That's it, right? Because we're going to do it all again tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, right now there's six of us or there's eight of us or there's three of us or whoever it is in this stand-up, what's the best possible today we can have? Well, what are the inputs to that? Clearly stuff that's changed since the last time we had that conversation. Aiden built out some new build servers. So the builds are going to run a bit faster, but you might still get any emails from a different server. Uh, what else? Um, oh, Claire checked in the, 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 all those new automated tests. Uh, which means we can be a lot more confident about the email 
component. You know, so so there's a there's a status element to it, but it's not what did you do because I'm your dad. It's what's changed that's cool. What's changed that's going to allow us to have a better day. And then we go, right, team, what's the best possible day? Imagine we have an amazing day. What's it going to look like? We're going to do this. We're going to smash that. This is going to happen. We're going to get these people engaged. Right, and break, right? That's your stand-up. <laughs> you should come out of that stand-up pumped, right? You should be really excited about the day you're going to have. And, and also, this is where, and especially with, you know, what I think of as high-functioning teams, high-psychological safety teams, if Aiden drags his sorry ass in, Right, bags under his eyes and says, team, look, the best possible day I can have is not falling asleep. I had a dreadful night's sleep last night. I've got allergies. And we're all like, mate, you, you do you, right? You take whatever time you need. You know, everything's fine. Is there anything urgent that we can pick up for you? So it's also the point in the day where you lean on the team. You say, do you know what? Actually, I could really use some support from you folks. The best possible day I can have is have my team gather around me and carry me. I, I need that day. So it's a very human encounter and it's a very focusing, as I say, it, it, it's, a, it's a goal setting, it's a steering session, it's not a reporting session, it's certainly not a status and policing session. And you see that yesterday I did this and today I'm doing that. I don't care, honestly, like, you know, with due respect, I don't care what you did yesterday, I trust you. You're a grown up, you're clearly good at this. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me what you did yesterday. I need you to tell me what's the best possible day you can have and how I can help you have that day. That's amazing. I mean, so many insights there. You know, it's it, it's a steering meeting. It's not a status meeting. There's the human elements of it. like, And also just the, the question of how can we have the best version of today. So how does this then relate to manage? So what is the role of a manager during that meeting? Well, brilliant question. So again, right, your the, the the manager role is about the environment, is about the system of work. Yeah. So as a manager in that context, you're maybe like in a kind of coaching type manager role. You're saying, okay, let me look at the faces. Obviously, you've got nine faces staring at you on Zoom or whatever. Let me just gauge the energy here. Right? Let me see what's going on. One of my favorite, favorite delivery leads, a chap called Ivan Moore. He used to do a thing, um, he got a, on, on one project, you know how you do silly things on projects, and on one project we all had skater names, right? <laughs> and his name was T-Boy, right? It's like, like T-Boy, like that. And, <laughs> and he was called T-Boy because every afternoon at about three o'clock, he would go around with a post-it and he'd go to everyone's desk and he'd say, so uh, Aiden, can I get you a cup of tea? <laughs> and he'd say Oh, do you know what? I'd, I'd, I'd love like uh, a, um, we've got peppermint tea. Yeah, sure, peppermint tea. Or I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have a coffee. Yeah, sure. How do you want it? And he'd go and he'd take the tea order and he'd go around the whole team. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, the tea arrives and he brings the tea around. And like, you know, you hey, that's some pretty good care and feeding, right? That's, that, that's a lot of, but that's not what he was doing. What he was doing was checking in on everyone on the team where they're at you might feel super intimidated or, you know, neurodiversity, right? You might be, you might find it uncomfortable to stand in front of a bunch of your peers, especially remotely where you can't, you know, there's much harder to read nonverbal cues and talk about stuff. So what, what Ivan does, he comes and kind of, you know, leans over and says, can I get you a cup of tea? He's picking up your mood. He can tell if you're flat. He can tell if you're having a good day. And he can check in. And so what would happen is that as well as getting the tea, he's taking the temperature of the team. 
And what would happen is each morning with our stand-up, Ivan would lead the stand-up with about two minutes of status. This has happened, that's happened, that got delayed, we spoke to these people, we're waiting on this, da 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 And he told it like a narrative and we're done, right? And that's kind of like clearing your throat, you know? Now, no one in the team feels like they need to do status because Ivan already did it. Hmm. But you can only do that if you invest in the team, right? If you bother going around every afternoon to take that temperature check, then you can tell if the team's feeling flat, if one or two people are struggling, if a piece of work that should have been done by now is stuck. And so if the, the manager role there is very much about kind of reading between the lines and finding out what's really going on, bringing that to the stand up and saying, hey, folks, um, I think we all need a break. You know, I think we need to stop being so hard on ourselves. Or sometimes I think we need to up the pace a bit. And, and having that sense of where people are at is such a powerful um, enabler, you know, within a team. So it's interesting. So your point of view then is that post these stand-up meetings, like this should actually give the team energy and so they should walk away energized. Oh, man, yeah. You know, we used to, so one team I was working on in the early 10s, I don't know how you call these decades. <laughs> <laughs> we would have two stand-ups each day. We were a tiny team. We started off as three and like at peak, we were like seven. Um, but it was a very small team, super, super high performing team, uh, building trading software. So internal, it's a proprietary trading house. So in other words, a, a company that trades its own assets. Um, and so we're writing custom software to do trading. And we would have two stand-ups every day. In the morning, we'd have basically a tech stand-up which was exactly that steering thing. What are we going to do today? Who's done what? What got shipped? You know, all that kind of stuff. And in the middle of the afternoon, we'd have then a, a kind of a product stand-up, if you like, where the head trader who we were working with would join the stand-up. And, and, and the opening question was, what new toys have I got? <laughs> and each day we'd tell him what new toys he had. And we might have sped this thing up or we might have added some um, analytics to that thing or we might have given him a new way to visualize that. And he was like, this is cool. And so we had very, very fine grained tracking of what we were shipping and we'd get immediate feedback on that. You know, and also he would then say as well, you know, the toys that you gave me yesterday, this is what we're doing with them and this is what we've learned and can we change them? So there was some kind of product uh, feedback came in there. But we found that we, that like the, the delivery, we had like a delivery stand up that was, that was about getting the team aligned for the day. And even in a three person team can diverge really quickly, right? It was about getting the team aligned. And so we all knew what we were all up to. And we were all kind of like, well, I can help you with that. Or I already did something here. Let me let me show you this. Um, and then the product side was like, you know, is, is what we're doing mattering? You know, is it having an impact? And so we found that those two every day, it wasn't too much alignment. It wasn't too much coordination. It was a really nice uh, cadence. Yeah. And so I, I guess this is, uh, I mean, this is very interesting. And, and it's a very clever way to get everybody aligned. Like what, what toys... What new new things can I play with today? I, I, I kind of like that. That's pretty cool. And it kind of builds empathy for, I guess, like the person that you're you're actually building this uh, this software for. Hey there, just a quick note before we move on to the next part. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already doing one-on-one -on -one meetings. But here's the thing. We all know that one-on-one -on -one meetings are the most powerful, but at the same time, the most misunderstood concept and practice in management. That's why we've spent over a year compiling the best information, the best expert advice, 
into this beautifully designed 90 plus page ebook. Now don't worry, it's not single spaced font, you know, lots of text. There's a lot of pictures. It's nice, easily consumable information. We spent so much time building it. And the great news is that it's completely free. So head on over to fellow.app slash blog to download the definitive guide on one-on-ones. It's there for you. We hope you enjoy it. And let us know what you think. And with that said, let's go back to the interview. One of the questions I want to ask you about, again, in this, you know, hybrid and remote world that's happening, you know, for a lot of people are starting to say like that the first thing that needs to all of a sudden turn into an asynchronous meeting uh, where people just update, you know, a document or, you know, use a stand-up bot or something like that. Uh, you know, the first thing that should go asynchronous is, is you know, status or stand-up meetings. But I get the sense that if that were to happen, like how does, you know, a stand-up bot is it's going to be really hard for that to also energize you at the same time. What are your views on that? Should it be an asynchronous meeting, a synchronous meeting? Should anything change? So I think you answered your own question. You said you said a status or a stand-up meeting. And as I said, they're very different things, right? So uh, status, absolutely, should be asynchronous. Having said that, it's nice to have news. It's nice to have a news feed, like, you know, Ivan opening the, the stand-up kind of thing. So I'm a huge fan of human beings synchronizing in real time, but not in order to tell each other what they did, because that's kind of, again, with due respect, it's kind of dull, right? I know what you did. You, you've been working on that CSS for weeks. You did more CSS. I get it, right? I know what you did. <laughs> it's really important. It's not exciting to hear, really, right? <laughs> you know, that's not what you have a meeting about. So instead, yeah, automate that. So automate, so, so you're updating um, progress on a story or a feature or whatever, however you track work with maybe comments or updates or something. And you post them whenever they occur to you, whenever you get something done. You know, uh, when there's a release, you should have an automated thing about the release. So automate that. Update those things asynchronously. What I like to get is some kind of digest. So maybe a daily thing in my inbox saying, here's all the things that happened yesterday at random times. So I can just get a sense of how our, our world's moving. One guy I work with um, who's a really, who's, who's really um, again, unusual thinker, he thought about things slightly differently. What he used to do was he had a thing on his screen that whenever anyone did a git push, like did a, a commit, um, the commit message would pop up on his screen. And he wasn't doing it to police people. Again, what he was doing is unconsciously looking for patterns. So if you notice that maybe two or three people were kind of working in a similar sort of area, he might say, hey, do you folks know that you're working on really similar things? Oh, that's super handy. What are you doing? Well, I'm updating the, you know, the, 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 um, the Excel export. I'm updating the, the CSV file. Oh, right, because I'm, uh, I'm doing some stuff with, with how that data is even formatted. So if I'm changing the data and you're changing the layout, we should probably be coordinating, right? And, and so, so some of those things, or if two people were doing basically the same thing, you know, get them together, having some kind of digest that brings all this stuff together and says, hey, you know, Aiden, this is what's happened in the last 24 hours is a useful thing. Automate that. Have it in my inbox, right? I can ignore it if I like. The, the human element of syncing and wishing each other a good day, <laughs> do that. Do that in real time. If you're in a distributed by time zone, 
team much more than you know distributed uh, geographically that can be hard there was one um, back in the day in thoughtworks this is mid 2000s they had a huge project working across about 100 engineers in let me get this right five offices uh four time zones three continents and it was a follow the sun development model you know 24 hour coding and what they would do is they had a distributed stand up with uk and the us in the uk afternoon in the us afternoon they'd have a distributed stand up us and india to hand over to india in the indian afternoon they'd have a handover to the uk and so you had this distributed double handover each each time and there were various rules like don't don't go home on a broken build if you go home on a broken build you've stuffed up the next two time zones right <laughs> and so if you break the build the next the next country round will revert your check in right you will lose your stuff so and so people became much more respectful of like keeping the build green but um but no even when you're when you're temporarily distributed uh, absolutely fine time to check in with each other and again it's 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 what's the best possible day we can have yeah right? I, I and, love that and once you get that mindset you know that carpe diem mindset then it's uh, it, it, it's it's obvious which parts of the stand up should be synchronous and which parts you can just get rid of yeah no I, I i love that and and i think you know there's a couple of uh you know talking about patterns and and kind of establishing patterns you know we we started talking about how you know, a lot of this is about being a steering meeting. We also talked about how leaders should be really great at, um, you know, repeating the mission and, you know, constantly like repeating what, um, you know, the story of the work that's being done and, and the value, getting people excited. And one of the things that you also talk about when it comes to feedback is this concept of drift. And, uh, and, and you can imagine like the longer feedback or the longer, you know, there's time between you telling a story, uh, the more there can be drift. We'd love for you to talk about just drift in general and like what teams can do uh, to avoid it. To give it some kind of slightly te technical definition, it's about a delay in feedback. When you get a delay in feedback, you create uncertainty. And the one thing that humans hate more than anything else, this is like, you know, core psych 101 stuff is uncertainty, right? We, we would rather be wrong than uncertain. And that's where a lot of religion comes from, for instance. So I said, I'm a Christian. I describe myself as someone I have a very strong faith and I'm largely anti-religion. <laughs> so, yeah, religion is all of the stuff that humans bake on top of faith because they like to have structure and because they don't like uncertainty. So in, um, in Buddhism, you have koans, and a koan is a, by definition, it's an unanswerable question. You know, so a koan, like, what's the sound of one hand clapping? You know, can you cross the same river? Um, all these kind of things. And the idea is that um, you wrestle with the question, and, the, and, and it's not whether there's, a, like, I can tell you the answer to one hand clapping, and there's no point me telling you the answer. The, the, the purpose of the question is for you to wrestle with it and learn because it changes you, right? And then in Buddhism, you have this, what they call satori, this moment of enlightenment where you go, oh, oh, right. So, oh, got it. Um, Christianity has the same thing. They're called mysteries. So there are a bunch of things in the Bible that are unknowable. Like what happens when you die? 
you know, uh, am I going to heaven or whatever, right? It's, it's very clearly written in Christian scripture that the only person who knows that is Jesus. So if anyone else says they do, they're lying. <laughs> they're simply wrong, yeah? Um, <clears throat> there's another one about, like, the, the Trinity. And this split the early church. Like, is God, you know, so you've got the, the Father, Son, and Spirit. Are they one thing or are they three things? And this split, this was one of the early schisms in the Christian church, apparently. And, and the answer is yes. <laughs> are they one thing or three things? Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and so then when one side or the other says, well, this is right, because we're terrified of that uncertainty. So anyway, bit of a detour. That's what that delay in feedback creates. How can we reduce that uncertainty? We can shorten the time to feedback. And the way we shorten the time to feedback in work is to do small bunches of work. And this is the idea of batch size in, in lean um, product development, is if we work in small batches in small chunks. So the idea of like, you know, multi-month or multi-year feature development in traditional software becoming a multi-week or multi-day or multi-hour feature development in, in agile software yeah, is all about... Um, is all about reducing that time to feedback. And it might be feedback from a tool, you know, did the thing build? It might be feedback from automation, did the test pass? It might be feedback from customers. Do you like this thing? Is it useful? Or feedback from our um, instrumentation, are people using this feature? And likewise, in a kind of human team dynamic, if you do something that I think is odd, right, and I mention it in the moment, hey, Aiden, you just did this thing that I think is odd then it's fresh in your mind, it's fresh in my mind, it's just recently happened and we can talk about it. If I pounce on you and say, hey, Aiden, you did this thing six months ago and I remember it <laughs> and now I want to drag it up, <clears throat> what immediately happens to you is this. A, you, you're going to try and remember it. Okay, I remembered it. Phew, lucky I remember it. I'm not just kind of guessing. Um, I, you're still clearly upset about this six months later which now makes me reassess every encounter we've had over the last six months where you've clearly been resenting <laughs> this thing. You've been stewing on this thing, right? That, that's a really unsettling place to be as you, as the person receiving that feedback. And if we get into a culture where we only assess feedback every six months or every year, you are not just guaranteed to be on the back foot when you receive that feedback. It's, there is no possible good outcome. There's a model in feedback called SBI, Situation Behavior Impact. And it's, it actually came out of um, school, actually came out of schools because it works with children. And the idea is that you say, okay, situation, concrete situation, this thing happened. Okay, it was on Thursday when we had that meeting with Sarah about the thing. So you remember, I've, I've anchored it now in time and space, right? A behavior, you did this thing. That's objective. That's like an unequivocal. You know, you spoke across Sarah or you shouted or, you know, I thought you were going to speak up about this thing and you didn't say anything. And, and that surprised me. So that's behavior. That's that's objective. And then I is impact how I felt about it, which is necessarily subjective. That made me sad. That made me cross. That made me surprised. Right. And so now you get to respond to that. You're, you can't you're not responsible for how for my feelings. That's on me. But your behavior had an impact on me that you clearly weren't aware of or may not have been aware of, and now you are. That's now something you can, we can work on. 
And I had a real example of this. I had what I was working with a couple of folks um, who one was the other's boss and they were distributed. One was in London and one was in, in the States, in Chicago. They, their relationship had basically broken down, right? And, and I said to them, right, I work with both of you. You're both lovely and you're both really good at this. So something's wrong. So write down, you know, SBI, write down some situations where you feel you've miscommunicated. What did the other person do? How did you feel? And they both did this and they had the, one of them made a spreadsheet. <laughs> so he's got this whole list. And anyway, and then they got together with their lists and they both went, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I had no idea that's what he was going through your head. I'm so sorry. Right, we can fix this like now. And, <laughs> and like the following day, their relationship was completely different because neither of them had, had the tools to articulate to the other how they were being impacted. So SBI is a fantastic tool for very immediate term, near term feedback. So work in small chunks, give feedback in small chunks, process things in small chunks is going to minimize that uncertainty and minimize that need to kind of fill it with stuff that we make up. Yeah, no, that that's incredible and and a great model uh, as well, Daniel. This has been super super insightful. So many so many interesting takeaways, and and we, it's been a very wide ranging com- conversation. We even had a chance to talk about religion a little bit, which normally doesn't happen on uh, on the show. But this has been awesome. So I guess what you know the the question that we leave um, all of our guests with as kind of like the parting question is for all the managers and leaders out there looking to constantly improve at their craft, what tips, tricks, resources, or just final words of wisdom would you leave them with? Uh, I, I tend to refer to other people's wisdom because it's usually a lot, a lot more reliable than mine. One of the things that I've been really, really um, touched by, impacted by in the last couple of years is, I'm sure you hear this a lot, is psychological safety. I didn't know I didn't know about it. So I'd heard the phrase a lot. And the phrase its one of those phrases where you hear it and you kind of think you know what it means because the words are familiar words. You don't. You don't know what it means, right? Until you read the stuff, <laughs> you don't know what it means. It's um, so Professor Amy Edmondson from uh, Harvard Business School. She is just phenomenal. So she's got a bunch of TED Talks. Um, she's written a, a wonderful, wonderful book called The Fearless Organization that talks about um, psychological safety. It's wonderful because it's got lots of positive stories, places where it worked, and lots of negative stories of places where it didn't work. And when you're reading the negative stories, you're recognizing scenario after scenario that you have lived, right? And when you read all these positive examples, you're thinking, hey, I could do that. Hey, that's a thing that I could try. Hey, why don't we? And it is so easy to shift a group from low psychological safety to better psychological safety. And one of the key tenets of it is that it's not global, right? So within an organization, you'll have some teams that are psychologically safe and some teams that are less so. So so it's all about sphere of influence. So whoever, wherever you can reach, you can improve psychological safety. Okay. Um, it's not about being comfortable or being happy or being any of those things, because that's comfort and happiness. Safety is, is, it might be uncomfortable. Safety might be where you feel okay to challenge things. And the core of it is um, there, basically there, there are three things that as humans we find really uncomfortable. One is admitting we're stupid, right? admitting that we don't know. 
one is asking for help right feel like we can't do it on our own and one is like upsetting the status quo rocking the boat and in a business context right in a, in a, in a professional context these things are like no-nos yeah so asking for you know um admitting you don't know something is incompetence yeah uh, asking for help is you know it's just you, you clearly can't do this so ignorance incompetence and then you know and then just being a troublemaker and so psychological safety is the environment in which all those three things are not just encouraged but expected right i expect you not to be arrogant enough to believe you have all the answers right that'd be crazy i expect you not to try and solve the world on your own because that'd be crazy i expect you um to challenge the status quo because of course we don't know the answers and, and when you create that dynamic that's psychological safety and it is unbelievably like until you experience it you're like wow i didn't know a team could feel like this so go read go read and watch everything that amy evanson has done she can do no wrong in my world <laughs> yeah no that's amazing um i will definitely check out the the type talk and and the book as well uh, Daniel, thanks so much for, for doing this and coming on the show. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Supermanagers podcast. You can find the show notes and transcript at www.fellow.app/supermanagers. If you like the content, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you can get notified when we post the next episode. And please tell your friends and fellow managers about it. It'd be awesome if you could help us spread the word about the show. See you next time.